praise the Lord, everyone. Uh, so glad that we could be together here tonight separately uh, as we canceled our in-person services tonight so that we could hopefully break this chain of sickness that's been going on. I'm thankful for a dedicated media team. I'm thankful for technology that allows us to be able to live stream. And hopefully you've gathered your family around uh, and you're watching around a screen. All distractions are put aside and everybody is focused on the Word of God. But why don't we open with prayer tonight? Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to gather together. Thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. I pray that you would join us tonight, God, whether we're in our homes, we're at the church, we're, wherever we are, Lord, I pray that your presence would fill that atmosphere, fill our homes, let our hearts and our minds be focused on you. I pray the peace of God. I pray healing would flow to every family, to every individual in this church. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 2 and starting in verse 46. I'm uh, going to talk tonight uh, on the subject of time. We're going to talk about time tonight. Luke chapter 2 and verse 46. Uh, again, I thank you for taking the time uh, to, to engage in this service, to be a part of it. Uh, and I'm excited about what God's been doing in our services lately. I'm excited about the the energy that you can feel, the, the 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 power of God in every opportunity, every moment, and I'm excited to take this time tonight to dive into the Word together. Luke chapter two, and verse forty six reads, "And it came to pass, after that three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding." And answers. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? For a little context, a little backstory in this, this portion of Scripture, it is about the time that Jesus was 12 years of age and his parents had taken him to Jerusalem to engage in the Passover uh, with, uh, with other devout Jews that had gathered at the temple. And when that festival, that feast was over, his parents began the journey back to the city of Nazareth where they lived and they make it a day's journey out and then they realize we've lost Jesus. They realize he's, he's not with the company. And so they ask around, they realize nobody else has seen Jesus. And so they rush back to the city of Jerusalem. And for the next three days, they look frantically for the child, Jesus. I cannot imagine the feeling of losing your child for three days, let alone the child that you know to be the Messiah. But Eventually, they find Jesus in the temple, and he's sitting among the learned Jewish leaders of the day, and he is 
answering questions. He's asking them questions. And everybody is stunned by the 12-year-old Jesus' understanding, his, his grasp of scriptures, his answers that he's able to provide. But his mother, his mother is still doing what many mothers are doing, that heart rate is finally settling down, although I imagine it's hard to maintain a state of panic for a full three to four days. But she says to him, how, how could you do this to us? Didn't you know Didn't you know we were looking for you? And Jesus answers her, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Jesus was at work. There are a couple of ways for us to find out what somebody actually values. You can see somebody's values by what they do with their money. Where they put their money will show you what they value. Where they spend their dollars will show us what they value most in their lives. Another way that you can tell what somebody values is by what is on their calendar or what fills their time, what eats up their time, what takes the lion's share of their time. I know when you're a teenager, you think you have all the time in the world, and so it's nothing to sleep away 12 to 14 hours a day, and maybe there's some adults watching right now that just love to sleep for 12 to 14 hours a day, and I tried that Sunday night after, after service. I uh, was not feeling well. I slept from basically service time until uh, the next morning. I got up at about 6 in the morning, and my back was killing me. I laid in bed for a 15-hour period And it was horrible. I don't know how people do it. But our calendar says a lot about our value system. Because what fills my time often testifies to what fills my mind. What fills my time will often testify to what fills my heart. Now each of us, unless somehow your brain works differently than mine, we each possess the same 24 hours in a day. We, we have no more, we have no less, and perhaps your brain proceeds at a, a twice as fast pace as mine, and you can do twice as much in an hour, and you feel like you've got 48 hours in a day, but each of us has the same allotment of time, whether you are the busiest person on the planet or whether you are sitting on a curb doing nothing for the entire day, it's 24 hours in the day. But each of us, if we're going to be honest, will find ourselves wishing at various points in our life that we had more hours in a day. I certainly know that there have been days, there have been moments where I I did not get everything done and I was wishing that there would be more time. I was wishing that I had a little bit more opportunity to do what I needed to get done, but time just keeps trucking by. Sometimes we wish we could speed things up to get through something that is somewhat unpleasant or a horrible experience. We wish that we could just hit a fast-forward button, or there are moments that we wish we could slow down time to better enjoy something pleasurable. Like every Sunday service, I know everybody wants to just tap the brakes and soak it in as long as possible. Time is passing at the same rate for each of us, and this challenges our concepts of permanence. It 
forces us to think of eternity, to remember it. It forces us to, to think on this concept. Your life is just a vapor. It's just a vapor. It's, it's here one moment, but when you try to reach out and grab it, it's gone. It slips right through our fingers. None of us is promised tomorrow. None of us are actually even promised the rest of this day. And knowing that and understanding that and understanding that even if I live to the ripe old age of, of 80 and I, and I get old and crunchy and the rest of my hair falls out and, and I get all these wrinkles in my face and I make it to the ripe age of 80, at the end of it all, in human history, my 80 years are just a tiny little blip. And then you back out even further and compare it to eternity. Eternity is so vast and my time is just a vapor. And so time, therefore, becomes our most precious resource because it is so finite. You can make more money, but the best that you can do for time is to free up space in the fixed constraints of your calendar. The best we can do for time is to free up space in this, this bookended thing that we call life. Each of us has a moment of birth and we have a moment of death and we do not know when it comes. But everything I add to my calendar necessarily means that something else has to be removed from my calendar, because time is limited. Time is finite. So there is one option. We blow off all responsibility. We pursue entertainment and leisure to the max. The book of Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about that. There is that mindset, there's that concept of, of living just for pleasure, living just for fun. We've only got today. We don't know how long we have, and so let's just, let's just have fun. And plenty in our world have adopted this approach. We live in this incredible moment in history where we can dedicate far less time to simple survival than any other society that's come before us. You, you could probably survive just off of the social welfare net and not have to work if you didn't mind missing out on a few things. But if you work an eight-hour-a-day job and work 40 hours a week, that leaves us with a lot of time for entertainment. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 30, 24, rather, in verse 30 says this, I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. We each have a limit of time. And there are moments in my life that I wish that I had a rewind button so that I could go back, stop, erase, and do some things over. But we do not have that option. And so we must be able to learn from not only our mistakes and our missteps, but it is a mark of maturity for you and I to be able to learn by observation of others' missteps, others' mistakes, or others' successes. 
You see, this, this limited, finite resource that we have, it is still just a vapor in our hands. And I do not want to reach the end of my life wishing that I had accomplished more or wishing that I had used my time more effectively, especially for the kingdom of God. I am called to be about my father's business I don't believe tonight that I'm addressing people that have this preponderance to laziness, however. We're not walking by the field of the slothful by and large. We're walking by and we're talking to a family or a collection of families that are motivated individuals, that are hardworking individuals. Now, you need to eat, so you need to work, and that takes up a large portion of your time. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul writes that even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. You, you need to work a job. It is biblical. It is understood. It is necessary if you expect to eat that you should engage in labor to make money, to trade that money for food. You have a family. And so you will need to spend time investing in them. And the larger your family gets, often the more time it's going to take you to invest in them. There's a reason that Paul wished that all could be as he was and be single and be celibate and be focused on the kingdom of God because then you would have maximum time to focus on your father's business. However, not everybody can do that. And so Paul calls them distractions. And, and Bishop Brown preached a great message or taught a great message once to a leadership session about his favorite distractions. My favorite distractions are my wife and my kids. They are distractions from the kingdom, but together with proper investment of time, we can grow together, we can mature together, and together as a family, we can invest our time back into the kingdom. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29, it reads this, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean or before average men. If you use your time well, generally life will see you advance. If you're slothful or a procrastinator or lazy about your time, you're not going to see yourself advance. We are called to be good stewards of all the resources we have, including this very finite resource of our time. We're called to carefully guard. We're called to carefully tend to and maintain everything that God has given us, our money, our families, and our time. If that convicts you, then let it work inside of your heart. If, if, if we're not using what God has given us effectively, then we're being poor stewards of the resources that he's given us. We are called to be about our father's business. Now, there's another option. We can realize that we have a limited amount of time and try to cram as much as possible, as much work as possible to 
uh, as, as counteract and to counterbalance some of that uh, glut of entertainment and glut of leisure that we have in our lives. And we can pack a schedule so full that we run around like a chicken with our heads cut off. We're just crazy. Everything's chaos. But we feel like we're using time. But more doesn't always mean better. More doesn't always mean more efficient. It doesn't mean that we're accomplishing everything that we could be accomplishing. Just because you work an 18-hour day does not mean that you are more productive or that those 18 hours more as valuable as they could be. But Pentecostals, really Americans in general, but even in the Pentecostal church, we like to wear full calendars as this badge of honor. Oh, I, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I, 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 I got so much to do. And it can become a source of pride in our life. We can, we can hold up this busy calendar. We can hold up, well, you, you got to see all the things that I'm doing for the kingdom. We can slap that label on it, and we can use that to excuse misuse or abuse of this finite resource that God has blessed us with, all because we're busy for the kingdom. I, I don't want to just be busy for the kingdom. I want to be effective for the kingdom. I don't want to just fill up my calendar for the kingdom. I want my calendar to be utilized effectively. I have a limited resource, and I want that limited resource to be applied very carefully and very directly to where it is going to provide the most benefit for the kingdom of God. People are not machines. There, there's not a simple formula of productivity with people's time as there is in a factory. X number of hours a machine can produce X number of whatever manufacturing widgets that you want it to do. And so if you need to produce more, you just add more to it. You just turn on the machine for an extra two hours of day. But you, you, you cannot treat people in that way. People have limits. A woodswind was once asked, if you just had five minutes to chop, chop down a tree, what would you do? And he answered, I would spend the first two and a half minutes sharpening my axe. See, our, there are some things that you and I can do to make ourselves more kingdom effective in the same amount of time. Prayer is a non-negotiable piece of our schedule. As a disciple seeking to do the will of God, seeking to be about our Father's business, prayer sharpens you. It cuts away the flesh. You, you might feel like your calendar is so full, you've got so much to do that you just got to attack the day. But if you would tap the brakes and you would first pray, and you'd make that the foremost part of your day, lining up your mind with God, you will find yourself achieving far more after prayer than all your time in the flesh. I heard a preacher say once, I pray an hour a day every day. Unless I'm really busy, then I pray two hours. He understood and he knew that the more he prayed and the more he focused in on the mind of God, the more effective his time was going to be, the more valuable his limited resources for the kingdom of God were going to be. 
The word is a non-negotiable piece of your schedule. Don't, don't be surprised if your day feels hectic and chaotic and you feel pulled this way and that way. Don't, don't be surprised if your anxiety is worsened. It's, it's rising up and the whole day feels like chaos, but you've omitted prayer and word from your day. If you'll allow God to sharpen you, if you'll first pray and first get after the word, you will find God will help you to appropriate, to use your time effectively for his kingdom. I've got three quick points that I want to give you about time and time management tonight. First point is this, balance. I just uttered a buzzword of the last five years. It's not necessarily a bad word. Balance is good as long as balance is found and calculated with the right scale. If you are using the right weights in the balance, balance is awesome. But I go back to prayer and to the word. What are we calculating balance with? Now, you might think that my life is out of balance, but I don't answer to you. I answer to him. And if my life lines up and balances with the word of God, then I have done it. I have focused. And I, I do believe that God's word calls us to a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of service to the kingdom, a lifestyle of investment, a lifestyle of energy, time, talent, and treasure poured into his kingdom. And it looks out of balance to this world, but in the eyes of God, it is in balance. As we, the disciples, begin to go, as we step outside of this church, it is going to require new things to be added into our schedules. New energies are going to be spent. New efforts are going to be undergone. As the man of God spoke over us a few years ago, sacrificial giving, sacrificial teaching will break the spirit of this region. That takes time. Brother Sistrunk mentioned it just in November. It can take up to 10 years to develop, to grow, to establish a foundational family. And so here's Pastor Jared standing in a pulpit every Sunday, every Wednesday, and we're talking about how we're going to go. We're going to get outside of the church, and we're all, we're all going to go out and do. And I do not want somebody cutting back to four hours of sleep, and you're, you're panicked and you're fretting about how to cram just another Bible study into your already packed schedule. You're, you're already losing sleep about how in the world you're going to add more things to your day. But I do want us to spend some time over the coming weeks prayerfully considering how we're allocating this finite resource that God has blessed us with. Journal it out. Document where it goes. Write down what you're spending your time on and ask God to help you establish balance and properly align your priorities. Ask God God, uh, the one, that's the balance we should be going to, the creator. He's the one that knows how much time you have left. He's the only one that knows. And so as you ask God for his will, as you ask your heavenly father, dad, where do you want me to spend this time? He will begin to help you. He'll begin to help you to align your priorities and your life. Ask him 
how much entertainment should I have in my life? Ask him, how can I use family time together with kingdom work? I do believe you can do those two things together. They need not be mutually exclusive. You can work with your kids. You can work with your wife. You can spend time together doing kingdom work and investing in your family. Ask him for a renewal of joy. Jesus, while doing kingdom work, said this to his disciples, I have meat to eat that you do not know of. There's there's something about doing the work, being about your father's business that is going to send virtue back into your life. We see Jesus time and time again. He is busy. There are crowds around him. There's there's all of this chaos going on, and yet Jesus finds himself, there's a mention, he'll withdraw to pray. He'll pull his disciples out. They'll go to a mountaintop. He'll pull out into the wilderness. There's, There's a balance that's built into his life, but he's finding that balance in prayer and in the word. Second point is this. Do not underestimate the value of little moments. Yes, we understand, and I believe wholeheartedly, that the deeper things of God are found in extended time with God. Just like the deeper things and a deeper relationship with your family or with your spouse is found in extended time with them. Don't don't misunderstand me. I think we should be finding blocks of time in our day where we do nothing but focus on the Lord in prayer and on His Word. I don't particularly like mornings, but I've learned to like mornings with the Lord. Every once in a while, I like to schedule a late-night prayer meeting or even an all-night prayer meeting when I can focus for an extended block of time, be it three hours, four hours, where it's just me and the Lord, and you can connect in such a way that you just cannot do in a 15-minute prayer meeting. You connect in a way that you cannot do in a rushed five-minute prayer meeting. But those are moments in time only. I believe we can have also a lifestyle of prayer where we walk in constant connection, a constant tag-in with the Lord. Kids are demanding. And many in this church have at least one kid or multiple kids. And obviously the option is not to pray until the kids are, or not to not pray until the kids are 18 and out of the house. We've got to learn to pray with kids. Just a crazy example, this morning my kids decided they needed to get up earlier than usual. Usually I try to be up for at least an hour and a half before the kids just so I can get a a quiet time of prayer in with the Lord. And let's be honest, who doesn't like a a nice hot cup of coffee in their recliner by themselves as they read through the Word in absolute silence and just the sound of a, a sound machine in the distance? But this morning they got up earlier than usual, and so now you have a decision to make. We have a decision to 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 live through. So this morning, my prayer time looked like holding my youngest and pacing and walking and praying as she snuggles my neck while my middle child reads his action Bible on the couch. Was it the best and most productive prayer meeting that I've ever had? Nope. Not even close. But my kids heard it. 
they saw it, they learned from it, and they enjoyed their daddy. See, you'll, you'll fill your time with what you're hungry for. Whatever you desire, you will begin to put that in your calendar. And there are value in little moments. Most of us, if asked, would desire to do something great for God. If, if I asked you, yes, of, of course, we want to tear down mountains. We want to break up enemy strongholds. We want to do something incredible for the kingdom of God. Of course we do. But could it be that in our desire to do big things for God, we overlook a hundred opportunities to do something little for the Lord? We overlook so many little moments of time, nuggets of opportunity throughout our day where we're frustrated, we're angry, and I wasn't able to pray for an hour this morning, and life got too chaotic and busy, and we overlook little five-minute windows where we could tap into the presence of the Lord in a deep way. You see, if you do something little repeatedly every day, you find those little moments of opportunity and you invest in those, over time, you'll be amazed at what happens in just a few minutes. Instead of killing five minutes on Facebook before you go to sleep, spend it in the Word. Instead of using five minutes just to to read the news, close your eyes and talk to the Lord. If you do this repeatedly throughout the day, you'll find yourself being easily able to slip into an atmosphere of prayer. You'll find yourself being easily able just to plug in to the presence of God because you're constantly touching God throughout your day. I heard a preacher once share a point from Acts chapter 10 and verse 9. This is not an original thought to me, but I wanted to share it with you. It says in verse 9 as The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. And that would have stopped some of us right there. It's noon, I'm hungry, there ain't a chance that I'm going to pray right now. But as a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky open, And something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. Now, I don't believe for a second that Peter only prayed five minutes at a time all throughout the day. I I fully understand and I fully believe that Peter was a man of prayer. He was a devout Jew. And in fact, you can read in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. There were several times throughout the Jewish day where devout Jews, especially those that were in Jerusalem, would gather at the temple for an hour of prayer. But Peter also didn't overlook a simple moment with the Lord. He's hungry. They're preparing lunch. But he looked at his watch and said, you know what? I got a few minutes. And in giving a few minutes to the Lord, he falls into a trance. He doesn't fall into Facebook. He doesn't fall into hypnosis as he's looking at Instagram, waiting for his TV dinner to get done or his microwave food to get done or his DoorDash to show up with his Buffalo Wild Wings. Instead, he falls into the presence of God. And in just a short 
meeting, a short moment, a little piece of his day that he gave back to God. God gave Peter a revelation of Gentiles coming into the church. One of the greatest revelation and the reason that every single person listening to this right now is able to be a part of the new covenant was all because somebody took a little piece of their day and gave it to the Lord. You'd be amazed at what would happen if you would just invest five minutes here and five minutes there and give those little moments to the Lord. And finally this. We cannot waste valuable church time. I understand the irony of this as we conduct service over a live format tonight and not in person But Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 reads this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The simple nature of time is this. We do not know how much longer we have. We do not know how many more Sundays we have. We don't know how many more Tuesday prayer meetings We don't know how many more Wednesdays we have. And so every service that we come into the house of God, we need to treat it as if it was our last. Every Sunday, it's it's a challenging mindset to maintain, yes, because we're flesh, because we have fatigue, because we have stresses, because we have everything going on in a world. But we've got to treat every opportunity in the presence of God as if it was our last. Because it very well could be your last. If, if last Sunday was your last Sunday ever coming into the Jesus Church, how would you have acted differently? Would you have worshipped more? Would you have lifted your hands more? Would you have danced more, shouted more, prayed longer, been more intense in your your effort to get close to God? What about this Sunday? You see, we can... We, we, we go through all of the trouble of coming. We go through all of the energy and the effort of, of getting here. We block off those pieces of our calendar. We tell our employer that we're not available on Sundays. We're not available on Wednesday evenings. We cancel things on our calendar to be here on a Tuesday. And then, and then God forbid, we come and just sit back and relax and chalk it up to just another service. I pray that God would help us to view every Bible study, every service, every time that we gather together as one of the greatest opportunities we have to be about our Father's business. I challenge each and every one of us in this place today these three things. Ask God to help you balance your calendar. I'm not asking anybody to add something to an overfilled calendar. But I am asking you, God, I want to be about my father's business. I don't want to just be focused on my business. I want my affections to be set on things above and not on things of this earth. And so, God, please help me to balance my calendar. Show me in my life. Show me in my walk, God, where are some things that I could trim to make time for you. 
I challenge everybody to not underestimate those little moments that you could spend with the Lord. Strive for 30 minutes of of consecutive prayer. Strive for an hour of prayer. Strive for a long section of studying the Word. But don't underestimate those little nuggets of time that you can invest in the Lord. They will pay dividends. And finally, let's not waste our valuable church time, but treat every moment and every service as if it was the last opportunity. Treat every Bible study as if it was the last moment you were going to get to invest in that person. Let's pray as we close. Lord, I thank you for everybody that was watching. I thank you for each God and every member of this church that is investing their time, their talent, their treasure in your kingdom. I pray, God, not that we would become busier, but that we would become more effective. We would be more efficient with our time usage, Lord. Let our focus be on your business. Let our focus be on your kingdom as never before. I worship you and I praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you very much for plugging into this service tonight. Amen.